If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Hear ye, hear ye. Come on, come on. You are listening to the Six Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, we blessed, bro. We blessed. Blessed. Why do you say that, Joel? You always say that. I know. When when do I say that? You always say that every episode. No, I only say that when someone blesses our blesses us with their presence on the episode. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought you were kind of like you know, um, you know, when mothers, um, you know, when they give birth and they have their baby and their baby is really prettier, right? <laughs> every every baby's pretty. Everybody thinks everybody's baby pretty. So, so, so you thought I was telling the audience that they're blessed because we're on YouTube and they can see our pretty faces? Is that no, is that no, no? Saying? I'm not. I'm just saying you throw the word around a lot where it starts to lose its meaning and its significance. <laughs> like I said, I only say it when we have a guest on the show. Because it blesses blessing. us, blesses us, yeah, with their time, with and their, their presence. presence. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So, without further ado, uh, we want to um, welcome our guest, David Scuben, uh, from the uh, Catholic Canuck Podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Darnell. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. It's uh, it's a blessing to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. 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 Okay. I hope so up on that word, eh? Present at the end of this, we'll see. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> the expectations you set for me here uh, yeah yeah okay so, so for our listeners um who don't know you and your podcast can you tell us a bit about it yeah thank you yeah you bet it's uh as you said it's the catholic connect podcast it's available on any of your uh wherever you find your fine pods and uh we're also on facebook and twitter and uh as the name would suggest uh i figured uh, my name is david scubin so if i use the david scubin show i don't think it would be very appealing so i decided to uh to just uh, insert the word Canuck there, as uh, you guys are fellow Canucks, you'd know what that is uh, a slang term for us Canadians and uh, just uh, helps people uh, remember the name of the show. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years and we have uh, some great guests. We talk about uh, uh, devotionals as well. The saints, uh, of course, in the Catholic Church are a big deal. And of course, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and spreading the gospel uh, to, to others uh, as best we can. So. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's uh, you know in the Christian space, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, there's just not enough of this in Canada, guys. So I'm, I'm really glad to uh, that we've been able to track each other down here, and I'm still new, a little bit new to what you're doing, but uh, it's uh, there's uh, never a competition for the gospel. Uh, right, 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 right. Uh, there's no competition for it. We just need more of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when did you start doing your podcast? It was back uh, September 2020. So, you know, it's been two years, uh, kind oh, of as this, okay. uh, this crazy virus kind of hit us, guys. There's a little bit more time. And, you know, honestly, God kind of placed it on my heart to, to do a little bit more, uh, you know, in the vineyard of the Lord. And, uh, you know, like a lot of things that happened during the this uh, this pandemic, uh, sometimes God hits you with a two by four to wake you up and say, uh, what else have I got to show you in order to get you off your off your duff and start doing some extra work for me here? So. Um, that's sort of when I did it, I had a little extra time and, uh, and it's been a blessing ever since. So good. And what part of Canada are you from? For Just outside listeners? of Edmonton. Yeah. Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. So, uh, I am an Oilers fan. I know you guys are out in Ontario there, right? So, uh, 
probably a lot of your listeners are Maple Leafs fans. So wouldn't that be something if the Maple Leafs and Oilers met in the Stanley Cup final one day? That would be pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And and now's the era. I mean, they're both uh, pushing for first place in their divisions all the time. So like David V. Matthews, wouldn't that be great? Hey. Yeah, yeah. Darnell has no idea what we're talking about, but yeah. No, I, I know, I know a little. I know, I know a little bit. I know. Hey, man. I, hey, I know when to jump on a bagging wagon. I know when to jump off. Well, Darnell, you a baller? Is that the basketball? Is oh, that oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. I, yeah, I, I am. I am I, a little uh, bit. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a raptor yeah. guy. We're talking a raptors. <laughs> little raptor. Well, that was a great there. championship run, wasn't it? I, I, I loved it. You know, I, a lot of people in Alberta are Blue Jays fans. Uh, you know, it's they've done a great job to make it Canada's team with the the Maple Leaf right in their logo. Yep. Uh, the Raptors, I think they're working on that. I know they're actually playing a preseason game this year at Edmonton. But oh. uh, you know what sports is so great, uh, as long as you don't make an idol out of it, we know that, that that's always a, that can be a snare for, for all people to make yep. idols out of sports. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you, playing it and, and the camaraderie and teamwork, uh, that's uh, something you can learn a lot of valuable lessons in for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, now, in regards to your show uh, being Catholic out, uh, how did, how did you come to faith? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I like to tell people, I know you guys are, probably can relate to this is uh, uh, you had Sam say on a few episodes ago that I, I listened to, which was, which was great, uh, great pro-life voice. But uh, I, I say that my journey with, with Christ began when I was in the womb and that was back uh, in 1981 was when I was born. And my, uh, my mom and dad, uh, even though they're, uh, my, uh, my mom was born in Saskatchewan, but both her parents, so my grandparents were born in Czechoslovakia, so the old country. My dad was born there as well, and, and his side of the family, his parents were from Czechoslovakia as well. So a lot of things had to had to come together in order for me to be on this earth. But mm-hmm. uh, my, my mom and dad, they had uh, six children, so my six siblings uh, before me, and I came along a lot later. Uh, my mom was actually 44 when she conceived me. So... Um, Back uh, at the time in the early 80s, uh, the doctor, when uh, she, uh, when he told my mom and my dad that, uh, that they were pregnant, uh, actually suggested having an abortion at that age. So uh, because of her age, and I'm just, uh, I'm so thankful now <laughs> that um, my mom and dad love the Lord and, uh, and they were Catholic, uh, obviously uh, love life and uh, never gave it a second thought. So um I was, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a blessing ever since. And now, now my wife and I flash forward almost 40 years later, we have four children and, uh, and my, uh, we had our, our fourth year just recently, she's three years old right now. Um, when we found out we, uh, we were pregnant with her. Um, one of the things that, uh, the doctors told us was that, uh, our baby was going to have down syndrome. And one of the first things they did guys, which is really shocking to me is they said, you know, you should, would you consider an abortion? And uh, of course, it's appalling to hear that kind of thing, um, especially the first thing that you hear when you get that diagnosis. But, uh, you know, the Lord is so good and the, the author and the giver of life. And uh, Emily's uh, an absolute treasure for us. And uh, she's beautiful. She touches so many people's lives and she gives us so much more love than I could ever imagine. So, you know, this this journey with the Lord, uh, like I said, began in the womb for me. And then uh, growing up as a Catholic and uh, as a lover of Christ and in a beautiful home where my mom and dad taught me to love the Lord and to be uh, a witness of his love to others. It's, uh, it's been a great journey. It's been a blessing. And uh, doing this now and, and meeting guys like you and, uh, and meeting so many people 
through the podcast that I have. And it's, uh, yeah, God just gives you these amazing gifts and it's, uh, it's great to be a believer of Christ and a follower of Christ. Yeah, no, no. Um, amen to that. Uh, what's, I guess, you know, in light of our, you know, our episode and the conversation we're having is, uh, the state of, uh, the Catholic church in Canada. And, um, there was an article uh, from the national post about it. And I was just curious, like in regards to your perspective on, uh, the state of the Catholic church in Canada. That's a big question. Hey, Darnell, I got nothing like that. It's, yeah. Bring it to the fences. Wow. Yeah. Got to aim high. Got to aim high. Well, yeah. It's like the, like the longest shot to win the game in the backcourt. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to, to chat about there guys for sure. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the Catholic church has been through a lot of ups and downs for sure over the decades. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the state of the, the way the world is right now, how it does, it drifts away from the gospel as it drifts away from Jesus Christ. And in the Catholic church, it's no different than a lot of organizations. We've had some leadership that's been um, a little bit suspicious, has done some things that are, are contrary to the gospel, have not provided the leadership that it should. Um, but thankfully, we still have a lot of very holy priests and bishops. And um, But um, yeah, there's a lot of distractions in this world, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when we think about... Uh, about uh, you know a lot of a lot of saints and and uh, even the great Archbishop uh, Fulton J Sheen if you're familiar with him but um, you know he said there's really two kingdoms in this world there's a kingdom of light the kingdom of Jesus Christ and then there's a kingdom of darkness you really can't sit on the fence you're either one or the other so the walk and following the gospel and being a, a true disciple of Jesus Christ is not easy and over the centuries or really over the decades in Canada I guess we're still a pretty new country. Uh, we certainly have had our share of people that have uh, unfortunately provided a bad example. And that can mm -hmm. that goes right through till today. Uh, there's nothing that hinders evangelization and spreading the gospel than people that provide a bad example or are scandalous. And, uh, you know, look no further than the politicians that we have, for example. Not to pick on our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, too much <laughs> or on, Vice, or on uh, President Joe Biden. Um, but, uh, you know, two easy examples of uh, two gentlemen that are baptized Catholic, but they are clearly two people in the church, outside the church. Yeah, that uh, they've fallen short of the um, of what God expects of them as the baptized, those who receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and it's it causes scandal to all of us. It's a bad example for all Christians and specifically all Catholics. So, mm. uh, you know, I guess that's maybe an introductory sort of the way the church is. Uh, I don't know how it's been for congregations that uh, you guys are more familiar with and uh, on your side of, um, you know, in, in non-denominational uh, churches and congregations or Protestant congregations, but this whole pandemic has been difficult for the church as well in certain areas, the Catholic church. Um, you know, our, our attendance has definitely gone down quite a bit mm -hmm. uh, in certain parishes and, um, you know, I think when you, um, when you're like the fear of, of death, I think is kind of takes a grip over a society and a world like it we've seen in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I think it really, the world looks to the church, especially, especially well, Christianity for sure, but absolutely the Catholic church for me, for leadership in providing example, holy example of 
what is the life after death? There is life after death. Of course there is. That's why Jesus Christ came to us. And uh, we've had so many examples. I'm just talking as a Catholic throughout history and uh, the great saints that we've had in our church. One in particular was St. Charles Borromeo. And uh, there was uh, an actual, like a very serious plague in Milan back uh, many centuries ago. And uh, that was a plague that uh, Milan had about 130,000 people, 120,000 people that lived in its city. And within a year and a half, two years, um, you know, 15% of them died. So we're talking 20, 30,000 people died of this plague. Mm. Um, but that didn't stop St. Charles Borromeo and, uh, and other priests from staying in the city, ministering to those who were dying with fearlessness that only can come from Jesus Christ. And it was a serious plague. People were dropping dead all over them, all over the place. But not only did they minister to those who were dying and those who were sick, but they also kept ministering to those who were, who were well and uh, that still needed to be spiritually fed. So, you know, instead of maybe having a church, um, closing the church's doors and not allowing worship, if you were feeling a little bit sick, they'd have a separate entrance. You'd still go and mm -hmm. bless yourself with holy water. If you were well, you just go through the main entrance. Uh, if for some reason the churches weren't open, they would have, they would teach catechism on street corners. Uh, the point was that they never, never stopped them from preaching the gospel, from ministering to the sick or, or the well. It didn't matter. They were still ministering to them. So I think that the Catholic Church and, uh, and other denominations too, I want to pick on Catholics necessarily the whole way, but uh, <laughs> from speaking as being one of the members, you know, I think we kind of missed an opportunity there, an opportunity to minister to those not only that were maybe physically unwell, but you think of the elderly that were so lonely and isolated. Right. Um, you know, I think there was, yeah, there's a, a big opportunity that we missed to, to bring the gospel to them, to explain to them the message of the gospel and that there is hope in the afterlife. And, uh, now that we've known, know a lot more about this, uh, this pandemic here and what's happened the last couple of years, I think we can look back and, and admit that we've, we've made some mistakes for sure. So I just pray that we have the humility to do that and provide that section of leadership for the, the world as well. And admitting that we did make some mistakes and here's where we can maybe improve and, and be better in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Um, I guess like in, in from uh, for us, uh, from a Christian perspective, and I guess part of it too is like, you know, I don't know, Joel, do, do we disagree on, um, <laughs> on, on the faith? Well, I mean, I, I guess the follow-up <laughs> would be, you know, you made, you made a comment about the, the, you know, two, leaders of these countries being baptized catholic mm -hmm. uh, and so you know from a, a question would be you know as a follow-up to that would be you would clearly i think your point was that they don't um represent well, sorry catholic. sorry sorry joel yeah. can you can you hold that question real quick because i know where you're going okay. um but just just for our audience who's who's following along and they're like oh this is nice uh you know we got the catholic canuck on with the sixth sense report <laughs> Right. Um, Catholic, Protestant. Um, what's the difference? Like, can we can we just clarify? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. We have similarities, but then there's differences. So there's points where we're, we're you know, we're like, actually, well, no, as Protestants, we don't we don't hold to, to, to that idea. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess we can we can go around. And, and if there's any straw man uh, misrepresentations, we could clear that up. So. Sure. So I'll start. Uh, so one of one of the things that I would say separates uh, the Christian um, 
the Christian church and the Catholic church is, well, we, we use the term Protestant, right? So it's Catholic, Protestant, um, and, and Protestant meaning protest, as in um, the protesters who protested against um, the papacy, the Catholic church um, in the 16th century through the Protestant Reformation. So the Protestant Reformation through um, Martin Luther, not, nailing the 95 theses, the 95 arguments against the Catholic Church. And, and this is what creates the separation between um, the Protestant and the Catholic Church. Um, and I would say one thing that, that makes Protestants different is um, that Mary, right? So when it comes to Mary, um, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, um, I think the word is venerate Mary. Um, Mary sure. is seen as um, a sinner like everybody else. And so we wouldn't um, pray to her. Yeah, well, if, yeah, for sure. If, we, if It's like, uh, you know, if we're talking about apologetics and, and explaining, you know, the, the faith, that would be a, a I mean, that's a, certainly um, probably a big roadblock to to some Protestants understanding the Catholic Church is, is how we honor uh, we call her the Blessed Virgin Mary because we don't believe that she was she she was conceived without sin, and uh, you know when you think about Jesus Christ coming down as um, uh, you know with with the Holy Spirit and the Annunciation of the Angel Gabriel unto unto Mary, um, it's pretty hard for me to and it's for Catholics for us to to think that Mary ever would uh, have any kind of sin. Uh, God would pick the most perfect woman in the world to have her son. And uh, that's probably the best way that, that we can put it. Uh, I would say that that would probably be, you know, uh, definitely one of, like I said, one of the, the issues that might be a bit of, uh, would separate us a little bit with our Protestant brothers and sisters versus the Catholic church. I'd say probably one of the bigger things though, too, is, is the authority of, of the, uh, the papacy uh, having a Pope. Um, you know, that was uh, obviously one of the big, uh, roadblocks for uh, Martin Luther as well, yeah. but uh, you know it's it's things like that I think too that are I think we almost have to go to the authority of the church. What does the, the authority of the Catholic Church have? Thinking about the papacy um, before you can start kind of getting into these other uh, apologetic discussions because mm -hmm. a lot of it, a lot of the roots are really in the in the uh, the authority of the church and how it um, uh, with the teachings with the scripture we call it the magisterium. And, uh, okay. and the tradition of the church, the sacred tradition of the church, right? So um, I think that's uh, that's probably where you'd have to start is, you know, uh, where does your church's authority come from? Uh, where did the Catholic church's authority come from? Where would a, a non-denominational Protestant's authority come from uh, to interpret scripture, for example? Um, mm. So that's, that's probably a, a, a big difference that probably a lot of your listeners would probably relate to, I think. Yeah, and, and just, you know, in the, the Protestant terms, right, the idea of like sola scriptura as, as sort of right. the ultimate authority. And, and you know, I think what you, the, the questions you were posing about authority is sort of, you know, where uh, the Protestant tradition would, would all its uh, authority would be derived out of that, ultimately. Um, right. And I think you, without saying it explicitly, you basically, um, the Catholic Church holds to, uh, uh, let's call it an expanded, to some extent, uh, version of authority. Um, where I would say Protestants are a little more narrow. That's right. And we would say um, faith without works is dead, right? As I believe it says that in the book of James. Yep. So that's yep. our, our approach to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think where, if we can go to uh, 
I'll use the example that I started to ask the question when uh, Darnell wanted to, to give a little bit more preface to as another, let's call it divide potentially. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll use the, the specific example to sort of hash that out. So you made reference to uh, Joe Biden and um, Trudeau both being baptized Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously you were referencing them being bad examples of, of Catholics, let's call it, <laughs> um, as well as just, you know, leaders with authority that, that uh, don't reflect well on the character that you would expect from a Catholic. So um, what, what is the like Catholic view of their salvation in regards to being baptized? Um, whereas for, you know, the, for us anyways, being baptized is symbolic. Um, and, but in and of itself, we would say, oh, that tells me they were in that tradition and potentially no longer. Um, and so I guess using that as, you know, a contrast, how would the Catholic church in general view the, the baptism? Yeah. And then I, I know, I, and I want to be careful too, about denominations too, because I know a lot of Protestant denominations have different feelings about what baptism <laughs> means. Uh, you know, the one saved, always saved. You give your life once to Jesus Christ and then you're, you're saved uh, regardless of what direction the rest of your life goes. Right. So I know there's a lot of different, I guess, traditions, <laughs> different beliefs on that side of the equation too. And I'm sure you guys would probably agree with that. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Save Catholics or Orthodox. From the Catholic Church's perspective is that um, you know there, there's not one moment in your life where you choose to say, "Catholic, I'm I'm saved, I'm going to heaven." It's really a, a process that goes on throughout your life. So, with Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, who are yeah, they're baptized in the Catholic Church. Again, probably another difference too is that most Catholics are baptized when they're infants. So somebody like me, I was baptized two weeks after I was born. I don't remember my baptism. Uh, maybe some folks that would listen to your uh, your podcast here, a lot of them probably were were baptized at their congregation and their church uh, as adults, so they would remember. But again, again, another one of those nuances, right? But uh, for Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau, I would say that, and this is something that probably a lot of people have have observed uh, in, uh, in both sides, whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant. Uh, two of the big things, uh, first and foremost, one I've already mentioned is their uh, feelings on abortion, their belief on abortion, their public um, acceptance of abortion and really pushing it, especially here in Canada. We really, we have, actually not really, we have no laws uh, prohibiting abortion at all in Canada, which is really scary when you think about that. Um, you know, we've... Um, they said, yeah, Sam say there's other people that uh, uh, on the pro-life uh, movement that, uh, you know, they document the life of a, of an unborn child right till nine months. And uh, we think of, of making that decision to to uh, to kill a child when they're at eight, nine months. Uh, that's uh, it's pretty scary. And, and just, yeah, it's, it's uh, disconcerting for sure. And uh, so Justin Trudeau being a baptized Catholic, not doing anything. To, to prevent that at all, um, really contrary to the Catholic faith. And I'd say most Christians would feel the exact same thing uh, to the point where even uh, I don't believe that you can even belong to the Liberal Party or at least run as a candidate in Canada if you are pro-life or you, um, you, you, you must you know, sign some sort of a pledge or whatever that or a value statement or whatever they call it, saying that you will support abortion on demand, basically. Uh, Joe Biden, the same thing. Um, I know that uh, obviously there's uh, there's some different nuances too in the United States. We've we saw Roe v. Wade be overturned, um, so a little bit of a different process on the legal side. But uh, Joe Biden has expressed many times that he is a supporter of the woman's right to have an abortion. So as uh, as a Catholic, 
it's it's a horrible example. <laughs> you think of the leading uh, voices. Uh, there's certainly from uh, many different denominations in the pro-life movement, but many many of them are Catholic. There's uh, so there's when people think of the pro-life movement, a lot of them think of the many Catholics that are involved with that movement itself. So I'd say that would be one example. Then the second example would be how we look at traditional marriage. The Catholic Church has always uh, been the staunchest supporter of all of a marriage between a man and a woman. So you look at uh, Justin Trudeau's track record and uh, and how we've um, opened the door to these, uh, I don't know, just these different relationships that are, that are contrary to the gospel and contrary to natural law, uh, again, that would cause scandal to uh, the Catholic Church. That is not what the Catholic Church believes. The Catholic Church believes in marriage between men, one man and one, one woman uh, to be fruitful in marriage, to have many children. And it symbolizes the relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church and, uh, and the fruit that that relationship brings forth. So just two examples. I know there's many more that we could talk about, but when it comes to, to scandal and bad example, those would be the two that I would say when it comes to at least to Joe Biden and to Justin Trudeau, but also to other politicians as well that claim to be Catholic that make it very scandalous for us. Yeah. Um, and I guess from the Protestant perspective, uh, we, we would see conversion coming by way of uh, confession. Um, but that confession only comes about through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, changing the heart of flesh to stone. And so, for example... The other way around. Oh, from, from, stone from to flesh. flesh. Yeah, from stone to flesh. Um, and so, for me, right, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I grew up in the world. Um, and so, so, for me, like, hearing the gospel, having my heart change, it was... It was there was an apparent change. It wasn't like something I grew up with, but I can, I can actually step back. And even now I can reflect and look back at what my heart was stone and how I didn't want the Lord. And then now I want the Lord. And I think that's pointing to the work he's done in my heart. And so, so ascribing um, salvation to other people without, conversion and fruit right so like you said faith without works is dead um so so the idea is that um if if you're converted you'll bear fruit if you're not converted you don't bear fruit so if you're so if you don't bear fruit then you are not converted so we would sit here and say um trudeau is not a christian he is he, he's not of the faith uh neither is joe biden mm -hmm. and i think to yeah. differentiate to some extent, you know, you were giving examples of, of works or fruit of them that would demonstrate why, why you thought they weren't. Um, and um, I think while there's a lot of similarities in that view, um, there is also, there's a potential for, uh, for such a simple term of, you know, faith produces works. Um, what, what do you mean by that practically? Um, and I think maybe Darnell, if you want to, um, give a, you know, some good example of, of the, you know, the theology for us behind that. Um, you, you know, probably have of what? maybe I'll jump in there. Like, darn, yeah. you can, uh, there's something that the Catholic church calls living in a state of grace. And what that mm -hmm. means, you live in a state of sacramental grace where someone like that, it's a, it's a politician that's reasoning extreme example, of course, but 
we're using uh, the example in our discussion here of, of Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden, two politicians that have uh, publicly scandalized the Catholic Church. They can go to confession. And for sure, like Darnell said, you know, it's a, it's a conversion of heart. It's a softening of heart. Uh, when you when you walk away from Jesus Christ and live a life in sin, uh, we have something that, yes, is called confession. It's a sacrament of penance, we call it here in the Catholic Church. When you go and confess your sins to a priest who acts in priest we call it. So basically, he's that conduit between us and with God. So um, the absolution of a sin like that is something that can be given to someone who is uh, given uh, scandal to the church. But sometimes it also, depending on the degree of the sin, um, we call mortal sins when you make uh, when you uh, uh, con uh, commit a sin against the Ten Commandments. Um, the uh, you can you can confess your sins and come out, but you also have to be contrite of heart, and you also have to uh, walk away with the intention of never sinning again, detaching yourself away from sin. So something that's as serious as, as being in the public eye and uh, and being uh, promoting something that's that's so gravely evil, it's uh, while he is somebody like that would be living be back in the state of grace again, publicly they would also have to make some sort of a reparation for the damage that they've done. Because it's like anything, you know, it's I know when I was a kid, I was playing baseball and uh uh, at my sister's place and I, I hit a baseball and it uh, broke a window. Well, I said I was sorry and my sister forgave me, but I also had to pay for that window. <laughs> so she still loved me and forgave me, but I still had to, you know, pay her 60 or $70. I'm sure now with inflation, guys, it's probably about 300 bucks that I had to pay. But that's what I paid then. And that was the, that was justice, right? So mm -hmm. does that make sense, Darnell? That's that's kind of how, how we understand that, that conduit confession, and then living in a state of grace, free from sin, and then working to detach ourselves from sin as well. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, so we would see um, the living in a state of grace. Um, so the, so we would see um, two types of grace in the reform tradition. There is the salvific grace and the common grace. And so common grace is what God gives to all people, um, but it doesn't mean you're converted. Um, it gives people the ability to be good people, but um, good people does being a good person doesn't mean you're converted. Or as Pastor Paul Washer famously said, "Good people go to hell." Yeah, all, all right? to we can agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, lovers, lovers of Jesus, lovers of Jesus, because you and you know, in theory, you you know, you can't you can't scare people into heaven. Right, people who are in heaven want to be there and they want want to be with the Lord, but it, like with the, with the with the um, penance um, and and going to confession, um, this is this is also out of the tradition of the Reformation um, that Martin Luther taught um, the priesthood of all believers. Um, so there's no need to go to a priest to confess. Um, you have Jesus Christ who is your mediator, um, and you confess to Jesus and those and the ones you've offended. But you are a priest. I'm a priest. Joel's a priest, right? Our mm -hmm. producer, Anthony's a priest. Um, and so um, if he's offended me, he'd come to me and confess. But generally, um, you, you go straight to the, to the Lord. And so the idea of uh, your, your absolution, um, because we believe in, well, of course, you guys believe in, in the sacrifice of Christ and him dying on the cross. But I think there's a difference in the way we see the application of the atonement 
So for us, um, we would say um, in Colossians, um, or, or, or sorry, in First John, it talks about Jesus Christ is the propitiation, is our propitiation. And propitiation meaning that the wrath of God is satisfied, period. And so the implications of that, of that idea is huge because if, if the wrath of God is satisfied, that means everybody's going to heaven, right? It's universalism. But that's not, that's not what the scriptures teach. Nope. Uh, the propitiation <laughs> that, that when Jesus dies on the cross, he says, it is finished, tetelestai. He's saying that I've paid the debt for all my people. So those who believe in Jesus Christ and received his righteousness, you're forgiven, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're forgiven. So, 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 so absolution has already happened on the cross. So when we do sin, um, our, our sin isn't to say, okay, I'm, I got to get my salvation back or I got to get in right standing. I'm already in right standing. I'm, I'm repenting um, because of, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use some words and I'm going to define it, um, um, of contrition, not attrition, right? So, the, the true conversion is, is, is a contrite repentance. Contrition, meaning you are repenting because your heart is broken because you have offended the person. And then attrition is repentance because you got caught or you feel bad or you're trying to preserve yourself. Yeah, that's right. Perfect and so, contrition and imperfect yes, contrition. Yeah, yeah. So, fear, the fear of, of going to hell versus the fear of offending the Lord. Maybe is that... Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 love of the Lord. And, 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 and the fact that, you know, you've hurt somebody um, mm -hmm. is, is, is what's motivating our repentance. So it isn't necessarily us trying to maintain our salvation um, through, um, through uh, trying to maintain yeah. our salvation. Um, but more so as the fruit of our salvation, we, we hate, the, I hate the fact that I offended Joel and I'm going to reconcile things with him. Um, but, and then I'll let the Lord, you know, repent to the Lord, but it isn't necessarily I'm in bad standing because we're always, you know, the doctrine of justification by faith, which is, which is the, 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 the foundation of the reformation and what separated us from the Catholic church. And I don't want to misrepresent the Catholic church. Um, but that's, that's what we hang our hats on, um, justification by faith in that, um, we are justified by our faith before our works, not because of our works. Our works are the fruit of our justification. Mm -hmm. So when, when we commit a sin, not only do we commit a sin against our neighbor and against God, but we also commit a sin against the church, the Catholic church says, and that's why we need the priest to be there to be our intermediary between us and God. And that, it also, it also helps with uh, creating accountability as well. Uh, so yeah, the expectation is that you're going to make peace with your neighbor as well, if you have offended him, but you also need to make that peace with Jesus Christ. And of course, going to confession doesn't um, downplay the sacrifice that Jesus had already made on the cross and opening the gates of heaven to us. But when it comes to scripture and, and this justification of scripture for the Catholic Church and beginnings of confession, you just go to uh, to John 20 here. And uh, so the verses here would be, um, you know, you could start with uh, verse 21. So this was uh, the power to forgive sins that Jesus had given to the apostles, which were the first priests. Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I send you. And then he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So that's sort of the, the um, I guess, the foundation of why confession is something that the Catholic Church 
uh, you know, professes. It's one of our sacraments. We call it the sacrament of healing to uh, to make sure that we are mediated between not only with, with Jesus Christ, but also in the church as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find the, the authority that Jesus gives to his priests, the first priests, which were the apostles, yeah. to uh, to grant that that absolution, right? So just so people have a little bit of context of where the Catholic Church gets out from in, in the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then for us, it would be that, um, so we wouldn't hold to the Pope being um, um, the head of the church, but uh, we believe um, in the local church. And so, so we wouldn't have, we don't have a Pope who's a representative. And I guess this would help us to transition into um, the Pope visiting. Um, so for the Christian, right, the Pope isn't the head of the church. We would say Christ is the head of the church. And every local church, Christ is the head of every mm-hmm. local church. Okay, okay, good. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. as far as the as far well, as the Pope, church is Jesus is the, yeah, he's the vicar yeah. of Christ. We represents uh Jesus on earth, and that goes back to oh, okay. oh, no, 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 we ain't saying that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, he would say that. Where the Pope comes from for the Catholic Church. That's all. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, we're not. No, we're not, yeah, yeah. Not, we're not that. We're we're um we're the local um um church. Um yeah, yeah. So so and, and I guess part of it is now now we see uh the Pope coming to visit um and in light of the um um the uh schools, the residential schools um being mm-hmm. run by I I now I guess maybe I, I, I I'm pardon. The government. <laughs> the well, government well, see, mission, see, all schools, right? So, no, no, no. Correct me if I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, because the Catholic Church was part of the um, the residential schools. Now, I don't feel comfortable saying that um, that the Catholic Church had something was running it because I I still think. And then I'm I'm not too sure on 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 my facts. So, I, but it's complicated. It, it really it, is. Yeah, and and so, but but all I know is that there was a spiritual presence. Let's be clear, there was a spiritual presence, um, in the um the residential schools, and so the Pope yeah, is showing up. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The Pope is showing up to say, hey, you know. We understand what's going on here in Canada. I want to apologize on behalf of the Catholic Church. Am I am I am I taking out of context or what do you think? To apologize for uh, what was happening in the residential schools. So back to residential schools. So that was something that the government had commissioned to uh, to the First Nations people, Indigenous people, schools to um, um, wherever they were. I mean, they're usually they're set up in, in larger towns and communities. Uh, to uh, to have uh, the First Nations uh, children come to school. Not all of them were run by the Catholic Church, but most of them were. There were some other denominations as well. Um, uh, back in the in that time, uh, you know, there's uh, certainly not to um, to say that bad things didn't happen in those schools by individuals. Uh, not necessarily the uh, the faith of the the Catholic the Catholicism or the United Church or whoever was was running the their respective uh, residential schools. But, um, you know, I think that uh, when it comes to the, the papal visit, there's a lot of mixed feelings, uh, of course, amongst uh, 
non-Christian people of why the Pope was coming. As some of them very critical of Catholicism, very critical of the Pope coming. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it as a as kind of sort of a bridge when we talk about peace and reconciliation, or um, uh, not peace and right, truth and reconciliation. Sorry, truth uh, and reconciliation. Yeah, because actually that that the, that's today, uh, Orange Shirt Day. So a lot of people looked at that as you know a, a bridge that uh, the Pope was trying to build on behalf of the Catholic Church. Um, there's uh, the other thing to to keep in mind too. We talked a little bit about uh, the hierarchy of the Catholic Church and how it works. Just, we have the head of our church is Jesus Christ. The Pope is the vicar. We also have people that are called cardinals that people might be uh, familiar with, and also we have bishops. So uh, they're they're the head of uh, of diocese. So a diocese is just just an area. Uh, Toronto is the, one of the largest uh, dioceses in, in Canada. So it's just basically a geographical area and it's got a bunch of parishes and sometimes mm. schools and other things inside those geographical areas. So just mm. so, we, so a lot of residential schools weren't necessarily run by the archdiocese. Some people don't know, but we also have what we call in the Catholic Church orders. So um, orders of, uh, of different types of charisms, we usually call them. So uh, some people are very familiar with Franciscans. You know, they have a, a brown habit. You usually find them uh, throughout history uh, working with poor people. That was sort of their, their focus. We have another order of people uh, that uh, of uh, priests and brothers and sisters that are called uh, Dominicans. Uh, okay. And the priests that are, that are Dominicans, they're usually known for their preaching ability to preach the gospel around the world. The, uh, most of the the the, uh, the residential schools in Canada, for the most part, not all of them, but a good majority of them, were run by an order called the Oblates of uh, Mary Immaculate. Okay, so uh, so again, a little bit separate from the diocese structure. Obviously, they they would work together in certain uh, occasions, but this is an order of of priests and and nuns that uh, that uh, were missionaries as well that would go and take care of the needs of uh, various communities. So. Um, like I said, the the residential schools and you know the way that the media has portrayed, um, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, these these kids being taken from their communities and uh, and forced or placed into residential schools. Sometimes they say by force. Uh, I think if we you know we really read the truth and reconciliation documents and some other testimonies, that was definitely not always the case. Uh, they were sent there uh, willingly, willingly by their as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, I think that it's important. Like the schools today. Yeah. They think that, uh, oh, sorry, what was that? Darnell? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, like schools today. Right. Yeah, right. You have an option, right? To do what you, what you need to do. But that's not to say, again, that there weren't some bad things done by bad people at these mm -hmm. churches or at these uh, residential schools. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing about the Catholic Church and when, when the Pope came and and with our bishops, I, I do think that they're legitimately trying to to reconcile with those who have been hurt uh, by individuals of the past. And certainly if they did anything illegal, especially when it comes to abuse or anything like that, any kind of abuse, they should be prosecuted, put into jail right. as individuals. Um, right. But not, not, not the, the, system, the systematic church. So like myself, I, I'm a big sports fan, as you guys have probably guessed just from our talking earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've coached hockey for years. I've coached soccer. I've coached baseball. Um, you know, we know in, in pro sports as well, and even, in, well, especially in amateur sports with kids, we've seen uh, so many coaches and trainers uh, abuse children, you know, whether that's sexually, physically, emotionally, yep. mentally. Yep. 
Um, but I've never had to apologize for <laughs> the sins of past baseball coaches or hockey coaches. And mm. country, um, you know, we love hockey in this country. And, you know, honestly, of course, you have to exercise good judgment when you see somebody's character coaching a, a any team or, or even, you know, being a music teacher or anything like that. But that doesn't stop people en masse from playing soccer and hockey and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the article that uh, and we'll probably post it after, but the one that uh, you guys, Darnell, you shared with me too is it was an interesting one from the National Post. But it also shows that um, the Catholic Church and all Christian denominations, yours too, you're there to spread the gospel. Uh, that's the whole mission of the Catholic Church. So in the Archdiocese of Edmonton. On our coat of arms, every archdiocese, they have, uh, you know, you probably see like a logo or an emblem of, uh, you know, different characters and pictures and stuff. And that's what they call a coat of arms. You'd see that with the monarchy as well. A king or a queen would have something like that as well. Uh, the archdiocese has snowshoes uh, as one of the pictures in their their coat of arms. Really? What that uh, the snowshoes signified was the work of one of the very first bishops that was in Alberta. His name was uh, Archbishop Grandin. I mentioned the, the the order of the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. He belonged to that order. And uh, the the uh, the significance of those snowshoes was that he traveled 25,000 miles by snowshoe to the First Nations communities to baptize them, to spread the gospel, and to, to, uh, to minister to the First Nations communities. So we're talking about like, you know, the end of the 1800s into the 1900s. And we're not talking about, you know, going by a dog sled or skidoo or anything like that. We're talking about snowshoes. Mm-hmm. So the example, and he was one of, of many examples of, of Catholic priests and nuns that um, uh, spared, um, you know, made such great sacrifices to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, not saying that certain things didn't happen with people that were evil and were bad and we need to condemn them in the strongest terms. But uh, at the same time, we can't apologize for spreading the gospel. And I know personally, many, many First Nations people are Catholics to this day. Not only do they identify as Catholics, is, as we know, is one thing to identify as a Christian or a lover of Jesus and to actually be one, but uh, we're practicing their faith, loving our Lord Jesus Christ and participating in the fullness of the Catholic Church. And they are such a blessing to our church. So the, the visit itself, I think, was... Um, uh, it may have benefited some people individually. I really hope it did. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, I think that there was an opportunity missed too, that, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Pope Francis didn't really speak to even some of the, um, you know, definitely didn't speak to some of the the really good things that happened to uh, the great witness of the gospel that a lot of these missionaries uh, gave to uh, to the First Nations people and, and all people of Canada at that time. But um, so there was an opportunity missed there too, and even just addressing the uh, the vandalism, the church burnings mm-hmm. it wasn't just Catholic churches either, guys. Right? There was a lot of Protestant churches that uh, that were burned and and, and vandalized mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, no, they. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, oh. uh, you know, that, that was that was something that wasn't really addressed, and I think that was hurtful for a lot of people, and not just, uh, you know, it was not only the, you know, the uh, every Catholic and other Christians here in Canada, but also the First Nations people too that are lovers of of Jesus Christ and attend some of these churches. All of a sudden, you know, 
um, you know, there was kind of that thing there where you know, all the, the pillaging was happening last year. All these churches were burning down. A lot of them were on First Nations communities. And that took really? away the place to worship. Yeah. And even uh, the most recent guys, I don't know if you'd read in the news or not, but even right after the Pope's visit, uh, there's a community. It's a kind of it's a very remote community uh, north of Fort McMurray, so northern Alberta, and uh, the Catholic Church was uh, was burned down there too. Uh, they don't haven't announced the the cause of the fire, but the suspicion again is that it uh, it was it was arson. And uh, again, it takes away a place of worship for people, and it's right on the First Nations community like that. Uh, it's it's really heartbreaking to see that. So, um, you know, I, I hope again that there's individuals that um, that benefited from. Uh, the visit of Pope Francis, but, um, you know, I would say truth and reconciliation is a two-way street. And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, the news from last year was because of unmarked graves, or, you know, we heard yep. that word genocide and mass graves. Now it seems, you know, even, you know, the legacy media is really reporting, in particular, a lot of the uh, these sites of these burials. There's no mass graves there. Oh. Um you know, and uh, yeah, they haven't. Uh, I think it's whoa, your. Uh, whoa, 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 I think whoa, hold no, hold no. On, hold on, his, DJ, pull up, hold up, hold up, pull that up, pull that up, pull that up, hold on, whoa, okay. No mass graves. <laughs> what do you mean by? <laughs> that? I was gonna say, on uh, to plug your podcast on your seventy-first episode. Uh, I think the Pope in Canada. I think it was that one. You guys were talking about this issue. Um, and I think the line that you basically said was that mainstream media is reporting that they've checked and basically found no no bodies within this region where they, they said such a what? thing. What? Um, yeah. So yeah. So what? So, so in Kamloops, guys, there, that was sort of uh, you know I don't want to say a ground zero. I don't mean that with any pun intended at all. Uh, but yeah. that was sort of the first story of of uh, you know you have uh, the Kamloops, Kamloops Residential School that at the time was run by the Catholic church. So that was again, uh, uh, that was one of the, the schools that was run by the Catholic church. And the, the first media reports was that um, through that ground penetrating radar, that there was 215 um, bodies. Unmarked graves. So, you know, that story got out and then it, it turned into even from our, some of our politicians and was reported around the world as a mass grave. So right. when you hear mass grave, guys, right, you're thinking mass grave here. Like we're thinking something really nefarious happened here, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's generally the terms used in a, in a, we've buried bodies in a bundle, not buried them in, in individual graves. That's the term mass graves. And I think we touched on that back, uh, back when, when this was going on a bit. It uh, gives the the impression of, you know, you think of World War II and, and Auschwitz and, you know, some just crazy places like that or some very deplorable things happened right mm. um, but it's it's not just uh you know what <clears throat> maybe some people would, would consider conservative media like uh, uh like rebel news or true north even though they've reported extensively on that but other other outlets as well of saying there's just there's just no proof and at this point like i i'm always i think as as a, as a catholic and as any christian i think we should always be pursuing the truth but with truth you should pursue justice so um if there really is um, you know, these bodies are underground at this Kamloops residential schools. They should do a, a proper police investigation and an excavation. Mm. I don't exactly what happened there, but mm. um, the narrative has really switched on its ear here. And it just doesn't look like anybody there. There's, you know, may, and there could, there could very well be some graves there, but, um, but there's no mass grave there. And um, nobody's really out there saying, 
you know, that, uh, you know, should, should we excavate it? I mean, we need to have the truth, right? And the longer that you vote it to, to prove it. And then, you know, like I said, we've seen all these church burnings. We've seen uh, a lot of hatred towards uh, Catholics and Protestants. That's, that's unjust really to me. And, um, and that's not just that that's including the first nations people We're we're all baptized. So, you know, baptismal uh, water runs thicker than blood is what I've heard people say, right? These are yep. our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, when we see falsehoods and and um, the truth and reconciliation turns into lies and deceit, I have a big problem with that. I think all of us as believers should have a problem with that. Wow! If we're not there to pursue the truth, right and justice. So, um, so again, it, it's um, uh, you know I think there was um, you know as we see more of these these reports come out with uh, uh, what the truth really is, uh, you know I think that's part of the truth and reconciliation for all of us is we need to find out exactly what, what happened there. And if something didn't happen, and if maybe there are some uh, some bodies that are there in a cemetery, and maybe there are unmarked graves, but let's also remember, guys, that that particular school and, and many of the schools, they ran for uh, like 100 years, like a long time. So um, as we see now, you know, a lot of people put these granite, um, you know, memorials up when you when you pass away in a cemetery. Uh, back then, those schools were... were not very well funded guys. Uh, you know, they were struggling just for some of the basic needs of shelter and food and clothing. <laughs> and unfortunately, it didn't matter who passed away. If it was one of the children. If it was maybe even one of the members of that religious community, nobody was getting a granite memorial. It was just the money wasn't there. So, you know, chances are some of these unmarked graves, I, I, I'm saying this just common sense would tell me that they probably did mark the graves with a wooden cross. But over the years, you know, the cross just, you know, it, it just decayed over time. It weathered. It's, uh, we get crazy weather in, in Canada, right, fellas? So, um, you know, I think that that's maybe a little, we have to consider those things too. And I, I don't think that that's being considered in the media. So, again, back to the, the, the Pope visit, the papal visit. I think it's it's kind of been met with mixed uh, feelings from the Catholic Church, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, just I think it's it's important that we pray for that truth and reconciliation. I think it's a great concept, but again, it's got to be truth and reconciliation. It's got to be a two-way street. Yeah, and it's got to be not really a play on the words and actually what those words mean being applied. Right. I mean, it, it, you said you know the church sort of taking his visit with mixed feelings. Would it be partially because he didn't sort of have any level of pushback to? Um, and I, and I don't mean pushback in that, like, you know, maybe there was things that, that, that the church did wrong um, in, yeah. in the context. And you, you've sort of already said that. But um, I would say, and, and you sort of hinted at this, I think, with uh, the comment, the first comment you made about government, right? That I would, I, my question is sort of, is the mixed feelings related to the fact that the Pope didn't give any pushback to the fact that it was almost like the church, Catholic Church was being scapegoated? for the government so that the government can be free from, you know, any sort of responsibility. Well <laughs> That's pretty well said, Joel. I think, I think that that is a feeling amongst a lot of Catholics. Um, and it's not just the Pope. I don't want to pick on Pope Francis. Uh, again, uh, you know, let's go back to, you know, in the Catholic church, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The Pope is, we call the vicar of Christ. So represented Jesus on earth, but he is a man and he commits sins. He's not infallible himself. Um, you know, and, and we've had our popes throughout the years that uh, that are not perfect, and and history would show that, and the Catholic Church admits it. Um, so, you know, there there are certainly um, 
uh, some individuals that misrepresented what Christianity and what Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of the cross truly is. And that's sad when it happens, especially to, to innocent children. But uh, to, uh, to lump all Catholics into one group and, uh, and, and based on, you know, like I said, we're, when we do the research on what these, uh, these grave sites are like and what these unmarked graves, you know, what's, what's really there, what is really the truth? Um, you know, there's, there has to be kind of that balance, right? The balance of we're, we're, we're looking for truth and reconciliation. But we're also looking for justice. And uh, so those who, who do commit sins against uh, humanity, against children, the individuals yeah. should be prosecuted separately, but not to lump everybody into one, you know, one great group of people and say we're condemning everybody. And uh, those schools were run by or were funded by the government. They were poorly funded. Um, and, you know, the Catholic Church and uh, these other Protestant denominations that were doing it as well just didn't have a lot of money to work with. And um, so, you know, I, again, not saying that I don't want to come out and say, oh, you know, this guy's, you know, denying what happened. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we have to approach this. And again, that's part of the, the process of truth is, is justice as well. So, uh, so, yeah, I think that balanced approach was what a lot of Catholics were looking for from not just the Pope, but also from the bishops. And we really haven't said that and, and or haven't seen that. And in addition, when it comes to a lot of these church burnings that uh, that have that have happened, uh, both on uh, on the native communities and non-native communities, um, we just haven't been there. Our leadership hasn't been there to to speak up enough and condemn those actions, because a place of worship is a, a very special place, and uh, and we call it in the Catholic Church a sacramental, with a, a lowercase s, uh, because a place of prayer is is. Um, it's a beautiful place and it's a very special place and in our belief in the Eucharist. Um, so some of your listeners might have heard of that from the Catholic church and the Orthodox as well as, uh, is that uh, this, the, the, uh, the focus and the, the centrality of our faith, the summit of our faith, our Catholic faith is the Eucharist and the belief that Jesus is in the body, uh, Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity is under the appearance of bread and wine in the Catholic church. So, um, so when we see our churches uh, destroyed by fire, it's uh, it's beyond a travesty. It's uh, it's um, it's it's heartbreaking to see, right? It's uh, so yeah. That's kind of where we're at. I think, like I said, just a, a balanced approach is, I think, what we need. So yeah. Uh, well, uh, according to uh, this is salvation on, on YouTube. Shout uh, out to Matt. Right, He's got a <laughs> Matt jokes video he just put up. Uh, Matt uh, Matt said uh, Trudeau did nothing to address the burnings. The blind eye was turned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So no, he's the, right. this video, um, I'll, I'll make sure to put in the show notes page. He's got a great video about uh, American evangelicalism, uh, basically being very commercialized and uh, Christianity light kind of thing. So hmm. I'll make sure uh, put that in the show notes page. Great comedic uh, video from this guy, but but great comment too. Um, yeah. No, it's um, great. Point. He's right about that. It was, and it wasn't just Justin Trudeau. It was a lot of politicians that uh, that turned a blind eye to uh, to what was happening. And I think it, uh, you know, it, it creates fear amongst all Christians, right? Not just Catholics, but when you see your church being desecrated, I think there was a, I believe it was an Ethiopian, maybe an Orthodox, or maybe it might have been in a non-denominational church in Calgary. You know, these these folks, uh, they're 
their church was vandalized. And, um, you know, they said, we, we try to leave that, you know, that oppression, that, that religious persecution from Africa. We come here to Canada uh, expecting to, to worship in peace and to love God and to serve God. And now, now we see this and now we're living in fear. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, it touched a lot of different denominations for sure. And, and unfortunately, you know, the Catholic church is still in a position, especially the Pope and our bishops are in a, a position to be examples of, of leadership to other uh, Christian denominations and helping you guys out too. You know, we're in this together, right? Like I said, no competition for the gospel and we have to look out for one another. Yeah. Uh, we, um, we, we did an episode a while back um, um, a while back on Egerton Ryerson uh, because a uh, university of Ryerson was changing its name. And uh, Joel and I, you know, just did some research on who this guy was and what he did. And, and he, you know, he, he, he basically laid the foundation for our, um, the education system in Canada. And, and also what we ended up finding out was that uh, he, he was uh, befriended by the indigenous community hmm. um, and he actually lived among them and he had an honorary name among um, the indigenous community. Um, he, um, he was a missionary towards. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it was one of those things where we kind of had to take a step back and say, okay, well, um, is this, is this the guy that, that we're seeing um, being portrayed in the media? Um, in light of his his past, like we're putting his past on trial and we're looking at it. We're like, does this sound like, does this sound like a guy who has an honorary indigenous name? Right. And, and, and he's lived among the people. Right. Does this sound like a guy that's that that's going to um, do crimes? And like you said, like, yes, um, you know, even now in our school system, we have some sketchy teachers. Um cool. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. We, we, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so, but, 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 but you made a good point. Like, you know what you, David are not being dismissive. You know, all you're asking is like, okay, let's, let's get justice for these crimes. Let's not just say it, but let's, let, let's look at it. Hence, hence your point uh, bringing up about the, um, the unmarked graves. And so I, for, as, as a Christian, I'm sitting here like, um, we, when we think about truth and reconciliation, right? We, um, the scriptures teach what that looks like because the, the truth and reconciliation um, that oftentimes is um, being pushed is a truth and reconciliation that isn't really truth, isn't really reconciliation. It's more of um, us kind of saying, okay, look, here, here is a sign of me doing virtue here's a sign of me doing um truth here's a sign of me doing reconciliation and, it, and it's not and it's not making whole um making making um the indigenous community whole because it's still broken like at the end of the day you're like okay so how are we helping them how, how are we ministering to them where mm -hmm. is this money going where is wholeness and reconciliation happening and i say all that to say that um, when we go to second corinthians chapter 5 uh, verse 18 to 20 and it says all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. So who, who has the ministry of reconciliation according to this text? The Liberal Party? The Conservative Party? NDP? Right? Maxime Bernier? The People's Party? No. 
right? It's, it's, it's us. It's, 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 uh, it's Christians, right? So we have the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, hence the forgiveness, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So when we talk about truth and reconciliation, is that message of reconciliation being preached? Verse 2, 20, sorry. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, representatives, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Yeah, amen. So, you know, it's funny, I, I, I'm, if I want to get a slight conspiratorial, um, but I can tie it back to, you know, something you said early on, you know, if you, you, you mentioned about how the COVID had, had given a, us an opportunity to, to serve, let's say, um, those who are afraid of death in ways that in the past Christians have been an, a great example, right? R going and working in hospitals during plagues because they're not afraid of dying. Um, mm -hmm. and, and COVID was an example where clearly we should have been able to take advantage of the same thing. And, and for whatever reason, well, we can debate a number of reasons why, why that wasn't or didn't occur. Um, but where I see it tying into here is that there's a level of, when we talk about, you know, reconciling and, and the, if we talk about it on a personal level, as opposed to, you know, a collectivist level, who, who are the people that are going to indigenous communities to, you know, pour into them? Obviously, there's a spiritual nature to this, but I'm talking about, you know, whether it's the Pentecostals, whether it's the Catholic Church, whether it's other denominations and, or just other churches, you know, going and, and trying to, to pour into to indigenous communities. Like I, I know a, ha a number of handful of organizations taking, you know, essentially having to hire a prop plane to go into those communities, to, to be able to minister to them. And so coming back to my conspiratorial comment, the idea of, you know, create the, the government intentionally creating division between the primary community that's going to reconcile or be a means of reconciling as opposed to how do we see politics one today? It's all by divide, division, division, division. And so to me, it looks very um, opportunistic again, for, for the government to find an opportunity to divide different people and make themselves sort of find a scapegoat for really what we would blame as, or at least I would blame primarily the, the government's actions um, in, in, you know, the way that these schools were either funded, established, forced upon um, in a manner that, that just creates an opportunity for this type of a thing. But of course, they, they seem to be the one with the least amount of fingers pointed at them. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that's, that's a great point you make, Joel, too, but, um, you know, we also think of a lot of Catholic priests and I think even some um, Protestant pastors as well um, in something like aiding the um, understanding the language of the people, the First Nations people. So like you mentioned, Mr. Ryerson here, I was just doing a little reading on him. Uh, I didn't realize that, that that's kind of the direction that he's kind of been marked, washed up or uh, caught up in this uh, this uh, cancel culture, I guess, right? But uh, on that note, the episode was called Cancel Canada Day from last year. Got it. Canada Day. That we that well, we discussed this for our audience, not so much for you. But if you wanted to check it out, it'll be in the show notes page. When they went to live with the people in the community, they actually learned the language, which I, I mean, I 
you know, as, as an adult now, it's hard enough for me to pick up uh, even a few words in another language, but they went and, and learned a language that uh, was, was completely different than anything they were used to and, and uh, translated the Bible for them into various First Nations languages too. What a, what a beautiful gift that, mm. uh, that a lot of these, these people sacrificed and, and not only lived in that community, learned the language and then translated the Holy Scriptures. I think that's a beautiful story, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Us too. And and it was just one of those things like, look, let's 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 get justice, but let's make sure um we're 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 making sure that we're doing proper investigation and making sure that we're we're calling the culprits and, and giving them a fair trial. Um and so from that episode we we're kind of like, hmm, I don't know if this um all adds up. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely I agree with your point, David, that uh yeah, we should be pushing for truth and reconciliation um, and 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 really digging a lot deeper no pun intended in regards to what, <laughs> what, what was really going on um, at, at these indigenous schools <clears throat> and I think too it's a, it's it's an effort of, of this whole society that we're seeing is that we see the we see the influence of, of Marxism right let's call it like it is we see cancel culture we see these these uh, forces that are that are very much anti-gospel right? trying to cancel history and it's not just christian history it's you know even something you think of the monarchy and you think of, uh, of uh, queen elizabeth's recent passing and you hear all these different voices coming out to try to erase the past right erase um you know uh, like i said the monarchy kings queens any sort of uh, authority and again a uh, checkered past of individuals for sure but um you know when it comes to to certain establishments and whether that's uh, that's a Christian church, a Catholic church, or uh, or government uh, to tear it all down. I mean, that's uh, you know you think of, of division and um, and and you know tearing anything down just it, it comes from from the evil one to me. And yeah. uh, whereas uh, you know confusion and division come from the evil one, but uh, as it says in Scripture too, that God is not the author of confusion, and it's true. He he really isn't. He's the the author of truth and unity, right? Yeah. Um, what I was going to also um, point out, and I think Joel, Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, if we didn't um, address this. Um, I think we, we, we did an episode on Canada's racist policies, um, yep. which is, yeah, which is one of, one of my favorite episodes. Canada's yeah, racist based on the JJ McCullough video. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as we were looking at it, we were looking at, um, you know, the indigenous community, the first nations. And I think, I think, I think we talked a little bit about the Indian act and, um, and I remember saying to Joel, you know, the Indian Act, is that reconciliation? Is that is that is that is that, is that truth of reconciliation? And for those people who don't know, uh, basically, you know, the government offers benefits uh, to to uh, First Nations people um, who are who who claim their Indian status. Right. We're claiming their Indian status. And so some people don't think, OK, what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, doesn't that s sound weird to you? that that's like somebody saying okay well darnell you're not you're not a, a a jamaican you're not a jamaican um until you come in and fill out some paperwork for us to affirm your jamaicanness and give you a check and well right and, and so even like even like like people don't really see it that way right someone coming to say okay well you're not really italian you're, you're not really italian um, until until you fill out this paperwork. Now there's some Indian people who are in who, who who claim status and those who don't. And so we have to kind of look back and say, okay, so 
why would somebody not want to claim that status, right? You get benefits, you know, government affirms you, right? But then those people who don't, what do you think they're saying? Well, I'm, well technically, I'm, I'm already an Indian. I'm already a First Nation. I know my people. I don't need, I don't need your, your affirmation nor your handouts uh, to make a living for myself. And I remember Joel kind of going on um, a, a Joel Jeezy rant about <laughs> about the, the the First Nations reserves and how and how the, you know they are the only community that the status Indians who have privilege are the only community in the country who's not allowed to own land. Yeah, is that truth and reconciliation? <laughs> yeah. Is that is that is that the truth and reconciliation? Is that it? Because I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, if I was if I was First Nations. Man, whew, I'd be heated. I'd be like, you know what, man? You know, if you guys are gonna say sorry to me, give me my land back, give me my stuff back, bro. <laughs> like, I don't understand. No. I, I don't know. Sorry. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David. Man, I'm getting emotional. That's a great, forget, no, that's forget, a great point, Darnell. I, I really, because I, I think you know, um, related to that, I think it part of, of of justice is to make sure that the people that do live uh, in these First Nations communities, if they're on a reserve, that they get. Um, the the help that they that they need and and the and the justice that they need and you know we'd be remiss to think that the money because there's a lot of money as I see the the reports of uh, you know the government funding various different projects uh, we'd be remiss to to think that all of them are going to the needs of the people and uh, and I think that's um, yeah that that's that's disconcerting in itself and that to me that's the you know a part yeah. of reconciliation and justice that i think we need to address and we need to speak out on to our yeah. government officials that money doesn't uh, you know just throwing money blindly with no accountability that doesn't help anybody it doesn't help the poor for sure yeah and, um yeah again it's in the name of justice that we need to to speak out against these things yeah i i would give some pushback uh to joel though mm -hmm. uh, uh <laughs> just a just a little bit and i don't know if joel would probably agree with me on the pushback um, because you're talking about like, okay, well, the government's doing this, the government's doing that. Um, but also if you really think about it, like sociopolitically, um, the, the first nations community, um, isn't a bunch of lay people, right? Like there are, there are chiefs there, there are, there are leaders in that community who are representing or misrepresenting the people. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the civil rights movement, you have some leaders who are not properly representing the black community, but because, you know, they're at the top of the, uh, the food chain, um, they're making deals that don't, that don't benefit the people. So we see that in, in politics on off the reserve and on the reserve. Right. So you have people who are saying, actually, no, I don't think I don't like what's going on. Would you agree, mm -hmm. Joel? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my comment is essentially that all the, the the reserves, because their inability to own the land, develop the land, is it, and and you know, reap the benefits of the land in the same way that you know, uh, let's call it a free market scenario would. You essentially have these socialist utopias. Well, what happens? Or yeah, I shouldn't say dystopia. Utopia. Yeah, dystopia. But but socialist experiments. Each one essentially is an example of a socialist community, and and. At the end of the day, what ends up happening is the leaders themselves are central planning that community and, you know, the ones that that central plan in a way that actually allows for the people to develop their, you know, regions, even though it's sort of like a land lease. Um, 
I would argue would be more prosperous and those that act more like socialist and handouts. And you end up with essentially, you know, a squandering of the wealth that was transferred to them. So the pushback I think you're making is essentially that much like what we see with foreign aid going to foreign third world countries, the politicians are taking their cut all the way down such that, you know, the amount of benefit that this foreign aid achieves is minimal, but it achieves the politicians goal, which is strengthen their political relationships. And so I would argue, really, you're seeing the same thing in the indigenous communities where the chiefs potentially are making decisions that are in their own self-interest, i.e. an example of public choice theory, where the politicians don't operate on what's the best interest of the people because they have their own incentives, whether it be reelected, relationships, financial, whatever it is, they're going to operate based on the incentives that are available to them. And so, yeah, I think Darnell, your pushback is um, really just nuancing an understanding. I thought you were going to say I was going to be right. Yeah. No, I, well, right. But, but the point is you're, you're getting to, there's nuance that, that really um, it's, it's a, it's at the top of the heap. They become, how do I preserve this power? How do I preserve the influence? How do I preserve all of these things that, that go, Oh, how do I make sure I get the check the next time? And we had uh, Francis Widowson on who's, you know, a disgraced professor because of her basically speaking <laughs> out against the, the legal, um, sort of game that has become this, right? Like how much lawyers get paid based on every time they come to a new reconciliation payout, the lawyers are taking 20, 30%, right? And so there's, there's other parties involved with all of this going on that are the, you know, the indigenous communities that are, that were harmed or, or that need help actually re- receiving even the majority of these payouts that they're referring to and, and, you know, how much actually helps or is invested into the individuals, um, let's call it on the ground level. Um, you know, I would say you'd probably see a similar percentage as what we see with foreign aid, how much really ends up helping people. Right. Um, sorry, Joel, the episode with Francis Whittleson was the politically incorrect guide to Canada's Aboriginal problem with Francis Whittleson, episode yep. 112, March 19, 2021. Yep. Yep. We're certainly seeing some of the needs of the First Nations people. We'll talk about, about drinking water, for example, is definitely becoming a real concern. And it just it's it's lasted for such a long time. And you hear the words of politicians, but you don't actually see the, the tangible assistance. And it gets a little... Yeah, it's, it's it's disappointing to see. Jama- Jamaicans Jamaicans have this uh, uh, saying: uh, "Sorry, can't buy sojalari." <laughs> right? <laughs> sorry, can't buy sojalari. Uh, yeah, basically meaning like, yo, sorry, sorry doesn't do nothing. It, it can't, it can't, it, it, it can't buy you nothing. It can't. What does what does sorry do? What does what does reconciliation do? unless reconciliation actually accomplishes something. And this is not, you know, the scriptures teach that that Christ's death on the cross and his reconciliation is efficacious. I know it's a big word, but it's an important <laughs> word. It's efficacious. And what that means is that it actually accomplishes something. So when we say that God loves you, it isn't like, oh, he loves you in theory. No, he loves you in practice. He loves you enough to Take your heart of stone, change it to a heart of flesh, surround you with brothers and sisters in Christ to build you up. So when we talk about reconciliation, we're talking about a real reconciliation. We're not talking about a reconciliation that 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 tells us uh, uh, to hashtag and then the people's water is still dirty. 
and they can't drink from it. Mm. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, or that we're telling people to here, come get your cookie so I can give you your status. Mm. That's not loving. I'm yeah. sorry. That's not loving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't co-sign to that. You know, I think we've seen it too, just the last couple of years, guys that, uh, you know, people abuse power. They can feel that they can control people. And if you come up with solutions and people live their own lives and they live freely, um, you know, all of a sudden you, you lose that control over them, control over them, mm-hmm. control over the situation. And uh, maybe that's what we're seeing too. And not, not just the first nations communities, but, but all over our country in Canada mm-hmm. and around the world and around the world. Right. And, and, and uh, David, th- th- that's one thing that Joel and I do on the show. Um, we use the science of theology and economics to interpret events that impact Canadians. So yes, as Christians, uh, we, 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 you know, as we were talking prior, Right. In order for us to have a nuanced, robust conversation about theology, you know, we got to throw some terms. That's what we were just doing. We, we were throwing out the vocabulary. We're like, okay, hold on. What, what, what do you mean by this grace? What do you mean by that grace? What do you mean by this? So, right. And that's important. So we have so we can understand each other. And so we we also get into these economic conversations, which I, I kind of coined the term um the unofficial economic definition is economics is a science of, 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 of helping people, mm-hmm. right? In the sense of, you know, self-interest, when you acting in your self-interest, it actually benefits other people. And it's a science to that. It isn't just saying, oh, um, oh, David's struggling. Okay, let's just uh, throw some money at him and, and take a picture. Well, no, actually, actually, he, he's struggling with fill in the blank. We're helping him with, with what he's struggling with. We can't just throw money at that. That's going to take some time. We can't throw money. I got to spend time with, with David. He's got to come live with me. Mm-hmm. Right? These mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think for, for our listener, they've gotten a taste of, of what's on your show, David. Um, I think, you know, obviously a little bit different in that, you know, our show's uh, a different dynamic to that. But I think um, if people are trying to check out your content, want to hear more from you, um, or if uh, you got anything, final words to say, why don't you uh, give our audience uh, some some insight or, or some where to where to find you? Yeah, thanks very much, guys. And it's been it's been a blessing to, to be with you. Truly, I uh, really appreciate the, the time that we've had to to chat. And that's sort of the, you know, the, the aim of the podcast that I have as well. The Catholic Connect podcast. Again, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're interested to, to kind of see what's going on in the Catholic Church and what Catholics are thinking and discussing, maybe some of our devotions and uh, different prayers that uh, that we do, and uh, in our belief, it's uh, when I do have guests, it's very similar to this. It's a, it's a conversation and interview, and uh, uh, just uh, yeah, it's just a, a, a relaxed place to to get to know uh, the gospel and see what other people are doing in the church. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, follow it anytime. I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well, the Catholic Connect Podcast, and uh, love to hear from you. Reach out to me anytime. Yeah, yeah, and awesome. I want I want to um, you know, Joel and I want to thank you uh, mm-hmm. for being gracious with your time and thank you for your for your insights and you know the Catholic perspective. You know, we're not Catholic, but it's 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 great for you to come on and share your two cents um, with me and Joel's uh, two cents. On that note, six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.